The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit wine2wine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2pm Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. the last session it's going to be about the monopolies and Mariana Villanosi will be introducing and moderating this session with Wilperdom. Okay, let's do this. Hello everybody. I am Mariana Villanosi from Villanosi Winery. I've been asked to moderate this session because my winery works with the Canadian monopoly uh, since 25 years now. So we uh, get in touch with this market uh, through the Italian trade agency 25 years ago. And now it's one of our most important export market. Um, we are here to speak about the Canadian monopoly and to understand why this market is so important in the wine sector. We have with us a professional sommelier and now an, an entrepreneur of the wine industry Will Prudhomme will uh, speak and uh, let us understand the monopoly in Canada and why it is so important. Before to leave the word to you, I would like just to give a, a few figures of the market. The import of wine represents $2.5 billion in Canadian market. And Italy is the first imported country in terms of volume. So we are speaking about one of the most important wine market for Italy. Moreover, Canada is a stable market. So in the last 10 years, it has grown by 2.1%. So we are speaking about a stable market with a stable growth with educated customers in the wine industry. However, it is not so easy to enter this market, to approach this market, because there are really high entry barriers to enter the Canadian market. So a new producer has to, um, has to make a really big investments to find a solid partner there 
and uh, uh, there are really high marketing costs. So now I will leave the word to Will, who will explain us uh, the Canadian monopoly. Thank you, Mariana. Uh, one of the things I've asked Mariana to do uh, during this session as moderator uh, is to help understand something I'm working on is not speaking so fast. Apparently I can ramble on, so I'll do my absolute best not to do that and to accurately communicate something that has eluded uh, many wineries, especially in Italy, uh, for some time. To give some, uh, a bit of a synopsis of what we're going to talk about today, our key learnings, like why Canada? And I think Mariana made a very good point, a couple good points. We are a growth market. We are a uh, relatively wealthy market. We buy a lot of Italian wine. But it's really important to understand the markets themselves. And you'll hear me say markets many times. The reason being, it is a collection of individual markets within one country. So to look at Canada as one entity is a challenge to begin with. We're going to focus on the main ones and we're going to kind of work behind what's actually going on in those areas to give you some tools. Um, how do you establish your presence when you're there? It's one thing to, you know, go and sell some wine, but you need to repetitively keep working within that market. And I think Villanosi has done a really tremendous job. You said 25 years working in this market. When I was a buyer, I was buying your wines and uh, gratefully so. I do think the market is an incredibly underappreciated and underrepresented area I'd like to see more of. We know, yeah. unfortunately. <laughs> but for that reason, we actually have tremendous value coming from there. And then effective sales strategies. We'll touch on all of that as we go through. Uh, this presentation. A little bit about myself and my company, Freedom uh, Strategic Marketing. I started this in 2014. I left a very solid career in the hospitality industry. I'd worked in uh, the monopolies themselves with uh, hotels and casinos. I was a sommelier for many, many years. I was a buyer, but I was inspired in 2013 to start expanding away from the restaurants and having been on the other side, the purchasing side, I saw a number of glaring flaws in how people were conducting business at trade shows, how they were marketing their wines and getting it to be accurately communicated to uh, the people that were important, the buyers and the media. So I started this company. We began working with uh, Oregon and Washington State, Wines of South Africa, uh, we've done some work uh, here in Italy uh, with uh, well, Wine to Wine and uh, definitely, I mean, in Italian via Wine Ambassador as well. I've enjoyed that program. We also work with a number of consortios uh, here in the Canadian market in its entirety. We are Canada-wide. We work majority in Ontario, Quebec, British Columbia, and Alberta. And myself, I've given you the little background there, but uh, I've been in wine my whole professional career. I'm 40 now. I started when I was 18, and it's still quite, quite an entertaining. I'm still engaged by this industry, especially now. There's a little QR code there if you want to hop to the website. It gives you some more information. But Canada, what does it look like? So we're one of the top 10 importers of alcohol in the world. It's a significant, uh, significant because we're a place that doesn't produce enough to satisfy its own population. We have a population of approximately... 36 million people spread over 6,000 kilometers. Um, it is a massive land area with a small population. 70% uh, of the wine being consumed in Canada is imported. 
That's a huge number. And the top five countries, which Canada imports wine in 2018. This is the most recent stat I could find. Uh, France, Italy, United States, Australia, and Spain. Again, most of everything there is all from these countries. And we're seeing approximately 2.9% growth in volume. So again, we're, we're moving in an upward direction here. We're going to focus on the provinces or the markets. Ontario, Quebec, Alberta, and British Columbia. Each of them have their own governing bodies, regulations, import criteria, and agents on record system. It sounds a bit daunting, and I'm sure it was when, when you started 25 years ago. At that time, it was quite, quite, quite a bad, bad location to work within. It is not any less complicated, but there are methods that do work. Starting with looking at them as individual markets is a, for, uh, is a first way to be it. So let's begin with Central and Eastern Canada specifically Ontario and Quebec. So we are Ontario, that's where I'm based, is the most populous province. Our largest city is there, and the which is also the economic hub, which is Toronto, and our capital city. Uh, we account for 37% of Canada's global imports. The Liquor Control Board of Ontario, the LCBO, which is the provincial monopoly, has over a thousand retail shops and post-annual revenues of 6.39 billion. And wine sales account for 2.1 billion. And this is a number that continues to increase. When you think about the population of Ontario, which is approximately 11 million people, it's a, it's a staggering number. Working within Ontario, uh, you have a few different options here. You can work within the LCBO's retail, retail store system. Something to clarify, the LCBO is a two-tier system. So you aren't working with... Um, you aren't working with representatives that are selling individually. Everything is bought and sold by the LCBO. You do have agencies which represent and facilitate that process, but it's always going to go through this one area. And this is the same throughout Canada. Each province has its own uh, system that you'll need to go through, and it's one singular purchaser. But you don't necessarily need to work within the retail stores. There are a lot of wineries, and it's very important to understand where you want to be if you are that winery. Uh, retail is kind of the golden goose. You want to move your way up to that. But with a thousand stores and this staggering amount of sales, for a smaller winery, this could be untenable. Uh, for a larger winery, you're competing with established brands that have been there. So there are some challenges, but to understand where you wish to be is, is important. We have other outlets, though, in Ontario. We have a private ordering program that would work with your agency to bring in smaller quantities. And when I say smaller quantities, it could be anything from five cases to a thousand cases. That is relatively a, those are smaller numbers, depends on how many sales they can, they can access. And these wines would go directly to on-site, uh, on-premise on locations, hotels, uh, restaurants, private clients, right? And that really depends on the stretch of your, your agency and how much time you've invested there. You do need to have a licensed agent to represent you. And each market as well requires a licensed agent. It's only one per market. If your agency has business in all the provinces, you can negotiate with them in order to represent it to you. My recommendation is choose one that works for you, one market. And we'll get into talking about agencies and how to kind of search for those. Uh, it is a country within a country. Uh, it is French is its main language. It's the second most populous. 
the major cities of Montreal and Quebec City are located there. Montreal also has a massive port. This is where all the wine comes in when you are importing for the most part. And they import more wine than any other province, almost by a factor of three. It's quite remarkable. It is built within the Quebecois culture to enjoy wine. It always has. As you can imagine, French is quite strong in this province, though we have seen an uptick in Italian wine. Heine's uh, presentation yesterday morning for, for uh, Vivino has outlined the growth scale that they've seen throughout the, uh, the provinces, and Quebec is definitely on an uptick for Italian specifically. Wine sales at SAQ account for $2.39 billion in 2019. Again, massive numbers. And the SAQ, the Société de Alcool de Québec, is the organization is the uh, the government body which brings in all of your wine. Uh, it's very similar here. They control purchase, distribution, and sale of alcohol. Now, this one of the the more common comments I get walking around. People find out that I'm from Canada. They always oh the monopolies. They roll their eyes, and I I totally understand where you're coming from. Um, but it, it's there are other opportunities for you to work within them, to understand these aspects first, uh, to know that those organizations are doing all of the work for you. You don't need to worry about uh, arranging your own shipping. You don't have to worry about uh, distribution to stores. This is all taken care of within the pricing, and that is a costly endeavor. We will talk about Alberta, which is the privatized province, um, where you have multiple purchasers. And if you think about the points of contact that that generates, that becomes a costly venture as well. So there is a benefit working within the mon monopolistic system in that you have one purchaser, one distributor, one shipper. That's, that can be economic, it can be very economic for you. Um, an agent can obtain a provincial liquor board listing through the retail channel or again, decide to sell it through consignment to bar and restaurants. And again, that's, that's where I would recommend a lot of wineries begin as opposed to trying to get on the shelf right away, which is uh, is normally something you build up to, work on your strategy of working within the restaurants that you think would work the best. Western Canada. So a review of the provinces of Alberta and British Columbia. We have a phenomenal view here of the Bow Valley in, uh, in Alberta, which borders British Columbia, the Rocky Mountains. Alberta, the fourth most populous in Canada, characterized by the Rockies. Um, major cities, Calgary and Edmonton. And Alberta is the only fully privatized province in Canada. But when we say fully privatized, it's fully privatized retail. Everything still does go through a government purchasing system. Though you have far more opportunities to work with grocery, with stores, with uh, restaurants, and so on and so forth. Mind you, the population is quite a bit smaller. Uh, so the AGLC controls the importation again, and we have 629 million in sales. So this is, we refer to Alberta as the Wild West of Canada. It's the Texas of Canada, right? We have oil and cowboys and like, uh, they love Italian wines. They love big wines. Um, we're not all cowboys, says Gervinder, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, fair enough, exactly. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, they definitely share the same sort of aggression, don't they? <laughs> All right. Uh, the nice thing about Alberta is they don't limit or control the variety of products. So the LCBO 
the SAQ will place limits on what you can order or more importantly, uh, place limits on the amount you can bring in based on the size that it can be stored. Alberta, you don't have that. If you wish to bring in containers of wine, by all means, go ahead and do it. It will be your responsibility, of course, to make sure that it's sold. But uh, that's something we definitely want to be to outline here. It's a really good place to start uh, in Canada if you want to kind of put your toe in the water. Agents are responsible for ordering, consolidating, shipping, and marketing. This is, again, another difference that the agent needs to be quite competent to be able to bring these products through this system and, and arrange it themselves. And the AGLC pays the liquor suppliers for their products after it's sold to licensees. Another aspect about Canada, you are working with government systems. One thing about them is you will always get paid. And that's not normally the same thing you can say about other, uh, other areas. 90 days, typical terms, that money will be in your account. That's something to really, as, a, as an exporter, you don't necessarily need to worry too much about. And BC, third most populous, characterized Pacific Ocean, mountains, and the major city of Vancouver. There is a massive support of domestic production. Hopefully many of you have heard of Canadian wine and the wines of the Okanagan Valley. About 70% of those wines are sold to Vancouver itself. There's massive support for local, but there's some things that they can't do, and one of, that, one of those things is Italian wine. They represent 17% of the total wine imports, and uh, it is controlled by the BC Liquor Distribution Branch. They're responsible for wholesale, uh, 1.27 billion, but they do have a public-private system, so why not mix it up a little bit? They started privatizing retail. Now, with the monopolies, especially in the East, it is all monopolistic retail stores, with the very, very recent exception of restaurants being able to do off sales. Uh, in Vancouver, they decided to employ some private stores that will be able to control and retail their own products, though through uh, the BC Liquor Distribution Branch. So you do have a couple different options here. Um, you do need an agent, and everything has to be registered through the Liquor Distribution Branch. There aren't really any ways to get around this. That's one thing I get asked a lot, it's like, well, what if I just bring it into Alberta where it's free and clear and I start shipping it all over the country? And that's probably not the best way to go about things. Uh, for private consumers, you are actually allowed to do something like that. But if you're going to do any substantial volume-based business in a retail or hospitality environment, you have to work within your province. Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps or books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged and much, much more. Just visit our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now, back to the show. All right, let's talk about agency representation here. So what does an agent do? And Heine yesterday at his uh, presentation, he said something that was very important. He cares about the wine that is being produced, the winery, and the end user, right? But there's a couple spots in there that there definitely are some in-between uh, movements that are required. And one of that is the agency. Now, they aren't bringing in the wines themselves. They're facilitating the wines through the system. It is remarkably important that you work with an agent, but that you not only work with an agent, you work with a competent agent. You talk to them, you spend time to understand what their philosophies are. 
that you can accurately explain what it is that you want out of the relationship. They are the exclusive uh, agent for you in that place. You aren't bound by that uh, agency agreement uh, in any necessarily legal way unless you have transactions going on. So if it's not working, not mutually agreeable, you can move on to another agency if, if needs be. But again, it's costly to do something like that. So it would be very important to go through and find that right agent. And I'll get to how we can kind of go about that shortly. Um, this agency should be facilitating the, the ordering process through the mundane government system. I would not recommend wineries take this upon themselves unless they have an export director that is very familiar. Work with your agent to do that. They're supposed to do that. They're supposed to help market. They're out there to sell those wines to the, uh, to the restaurants, to the hotels, to the private clients. They should have that database and they should be able to prove those numbers to you to make sure that it all works. As far as finding an agent, these are a couple points that, that we promote within our organization. We also set these up for wineries as well, especially through consortios, trade shows. These are excellent opportunities to be able to find an agent which works for you. And I would ask this of, uh, of every winery and consortio to set this up. This is part of the whole trade process. To get new products represented is a, an important part of any of these transactions. So look at which market you want to be with. There's four right there. We do have other markets. We have Manitoba, we have Saskatchewan, the East Coast provinces. These are all very valid provinces, but it really probably behooves you to start with one of the four major ones. You have more population, you have more uh, access to market, and it costs you relatively the same to be able to do the same actions in all provinces. So you may as well start with the big ones. Choose which channel, retail or consignment, are the two major ones that I would look at. I would look at your product volume, your marketing strategy, if you have one. If you're a producer that can only supply 26 packs of wine in the $60 price point range, that would probably be far more suited to consignment and restaurants as opposed to the 10,000 case volume player that is established with its marketing plan to support these government organizations very, very different. So understanding that. You can have both. Often we have product line extensions that have both aspects. That's something that we aspire to do as you're moving forward, baby steps into this. So understanding which wines you want to send out. Is it the lowest hanging fruit? Is it your prestige cuvee? Is it something in the middle? Very much up to you. Participate in the trade events. So, I mean, we're all here. We like to participate in trade events. The purpose is to conduct trade. Uh, we do host them in Canada. This is probably the best way for you to meet multiple agents, to meet multiple buyers in one single setting. When we put on our trade shows, we highlight those wineries which have attended and are looking for representation. Then we send that list to the agents that are out there to come and meet those individuals. Two different columns there. I've been on far too many junkets where they've sent the purchaser, the sommelier, on, uh, on a trip to, say, South Africa. Though that sommelier might love the wines, they don't have the access to get those wines from there to where they need to be. It is highly important that they have an agent go along as well. So connect with your cons consortio, each a, find a supply list of agencies, though that's as good as the piece of paper it's written on until you talk to these people and you understand what it is that, that they, can, 
they can present. You know, after two years coming here, I've found it incredibly satisfying to be able to connect with people that I've had screen time with over the end. Some of the uh, the small things were were being solved in moments. So that face-to-face -face touch point, incredibly important. And I would ask questions about that agency's business. You could love that individual, or you can love that group, you gotta remember, they're also salespeople, right? So they're selling you on what's going on to understand they should be open about where their target, what their target audience is, where they sell the most within each province. Take a look at their other like brands to ensure that yours fits within that portfolio. So there's a little legwork that you need to do. And then marketing your wine. So visiting the markets again, you've done the trade show, you've found an agent, they have started to bring in your wine. Now what? You have now started the investment process of being within Canada. And it could be lucrative. It could be a 25-year uh, relationship that continues to grow. It could be part of your portfolio of, of export and distribution. Um, work with your consortium. Again, your local trade organization, they will have resources to be able to help out. Uh, the agency should be supporting you as well. Ask them for what they are going to be doing to sell your wines. Attend trade shows, B2B sessions. Uh, scores and reviews, when we start getting into um, the retail model, if you're aiming at retail, they definitely take the scores and reviews um, very seriously. And uh, we're starting, I'm sure there's going to be a, a session next year on scores and reviews. It'd be pretty interesting to do one on how effective they are and you know where, where they, they sit within the diaspora, but that is definitely a tool the boards use, whether you like them or not. And then competitive pricing. Uh, looking at ex-seller pricing for your wineries and ensuring that it is in line with what is being retailed in those environments. Ensure that the, yes, we tax, we have high taxes in Canada, but it's not something that just applies to your winery. It applies to every beverage alcohol product out there. So we're used to higher prices in Canada. It is de rigueur. But understand, if your Barbera is eight euros and people are selling them for 650, you have to understand that there must be an additional value add that you're going to bring. So looking at competitive pricing strategies, I'm not saying discount at all. I'm saying taking a look to make sure that you are priced for export appropriately because selling to the United States, slightly different than Canada. Uh, Canada is a collection of different markets. If you take anything away, that's one way I would look at it. Um, if you are talking to the SAQ and you're talking to the LCBO, I would recommend not talking about each other to each other. <laughs> They're kind of territorial. If you say, oh, they love it in Ontario, you probably won't get that sale in the SAQ and vice versa. You say they love it in New York, they'll probably take it for whatever reason. We're kind of understated in Canada. Um, you have your four key markets, the important of your agency support, understand what you're offering, and support your wines when you're here. Obviously, you've chosen to be there. Obviously, that agent has decided to help you. And obviously, at this point, the, uh, the wines themselves are selling and people want to try those wines. So to go and visit, to visit those key accounts, we have tremendously good, underrated restaurants throughout the entire country. Uh, Toronto is a melting pot of cultures and societies where you can eat any style of food that you want at the top. Uh, top levels. You find that in Edmonton, you find it in Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, the main markets. These are great places to visit that will 
definitely respond to your wines once you're set there. We have some helpful links and resources. So that whole presentation, if you want, you can scan that guy right there. That's We've uploaded it to our website. I know it'll also be available for the next two months uh, through the Wine to Wine Business Forum. But uh, there's something here. You can just scan that. There's more useful links there, things that you can use in order to decipher. Uh, again, I would dedicate some resources toward understanding this that are in the export area. It can get quite mundane and boring, but it's all pretty much right there and some additional links. So you don't need to write all that down right now. Just scan it. And that's it for me. So do we have any questions? That was an amazing presentation on how to work with monopolies. But now I have a question for you. So you already talked about how to approach this market for a new producer. And this is really difficult. We already saw that. But I have a question about the new trends. Because now in the Canadian market, uh, we speak a lot about online sales, e-commerce, and also about organic wines. So I would like to know your opinion about what's going on on the market and which are the main trends right now. Yeah, excellent segue. So we've all been thrust into online shopping. Um, the boards themselves have invested tremendously to facilitate those online sales channels. They aren't quite there yet for some of the specialty products. For example, um, the LCBO has recently announced that they're going to turn every other release and they release new products every two weeks in the form of a glossy magazine sending it to the store but every two weeks or every other release will now be online so you'll be forced to go online which is a fascinating move for them to do right so they're not only grasping the concept of um, online sales they're pushing towards it they see the benefit uh, there are some some constructive areas uh, the system can be still mundane no one has figured out really how to um, market on a, a grocery store website uh, very well Amazon hasn't been able to do it quite yet um, it, it's still kind of confusing that physicality is still there and you bring up a tremendous uh, point that should be added to this not only scores and ratings but yes vegan organic biodynamic you know I don't want to start getting into the natural stuff, but they are starting to move into that direction. They're seeing sales spikes. One thing to keep in mind with the boards, they are not predictive. They study data that has shown itself already and make decisions based off of that data. So looking at, as opposed to, yes, this is popular. It's being supported by XYZ industry. It doesn't really mean much on a purchasing perspective unless the sales are there. They are building themselves to be retailers. They're built on turnover. And these are huge points to bring up if you wish to be able to give them the tools to be able to market. Investing as well in your own promotion of your products, whatever that may be, incredibly important. Let people know this is organic, it's bio. We are following similar global trends. Thank you. You're welcome. And uh, since we, you, have, you have a marketing company, a marketing company in Toronto, which is the role of communication for a wine producer in Canada? So it is important to communicate to the final customer, for example, and which are the channels that a producer can use. So now we are speaking for new producers or also producers like Velenosi, which uh, are in the market and they want to communicate to the final customers. 
Absolutely. I think that applies to, to both new and to established. It might even be more important for, for some established ones that are trying to figure out how do I get that touch point. There's been a number of seminars here that definitely uh, touch on those things, the physicality, the, the visual, the, the, the marketing. Our company tends to focus on digital strategized ads. We targeted ads to individuals that have you've given your data to the, uh, the ether. And we've, we mine that and we target individuals with specific products or specific regions. And that's one way to talk. There is a bit of an education component, but it's not so much education for John Q. Public. It's more so, can you get it in front of their eyes? They need to understand that this, there's tremendous wines from the market. There's tremendous wines from Villanosi. How do you tell that? The boards will not do that marketing for you. Um, it can be an expensive ordeal uh, to a certain degree. That's why I try to promote a collective movement of individual wineries to work together to promote a region. Uh, it's more cost effective. And frankly, if people can just gravitate and say, I understand the market. All right? I understand whites from this area are great. I understand that Verdicchio is the greatest white wine that Italy has. Like those, those right there will you inevitably will come up yourself. I think it's important to talk about the generalities in some ways. Then you have mature areas, mature um, regions such as Brunello di Montalcino, um, Barolo, which have this brand integrity that can still do better. They can still grow and can maintain that market space. You have the super growth areas of Chianti Classico that has really done a great job of rebranding itself, but they're talking about their general message, not necessarily about the individual wineries, so that's what, where I would, I would dedicate resources. So we would say that uh, the consortium uh, role of communication is more important of the single producer in the Canadian market. Unless you're a very, very large, deep-pocketed producer, uh, that would be the way to go about it. That would be amazing if you, if you could do it, but you definitely need to be in the, the Antonori level in order to do something like that. Any other questions? So we have one at the back. Uh, when it comes to, oh, hi, Will, great presentation, Srinay, uh, your friend, yeah. Um, so I paid her to do this. It's yeah, like, you so know, Canadian supporting Canadians. Anyway, so um, how have you as a marketing agency been able to give advice to producers from Italy in terms of understanding label changes and best ways to make their moves in the marketplace with what is exactly written on their bottle? I know it costs a lot to change a label, but... This is important, and I'd like to hear what your thoughts are on it. We have a resource for that on our website, which outlines the Canadian standards for, for bottles. Uh, for you know, We now need certain font sizes, so on and so forth. Your agency, if they don't understand this, they probably aren't the agency that is going to get your products going. This is kind of a 101 thing for those agents. So that would be something I would ask them right away. How do we make these labels compliant? Sometimes it has to do with ensuring that the alcohol is correct. Uh, they've implemented a global lot system now, which uh, applies to almost all food products. But ensuring, and there's not many things that you actually need to have on, on a label. It has to be bilingual, so on and so forth. These are things that can occur, but your agent is definitely the one to facilitate that. Does that answer the question? I think, I think as, a, as a previous importer, I also think it's really important for producers to understand things that just should be on labels that are also not required for them to be on labels and things that might help them sell better in the marketplace as that is the first touch point, especially if they want to be in the LCBO versus a restaurant where they have a person that is a point of sale contact. 
So, for example, are you referring to like having, you know, BioCert and things like that, like ensuring that there's certification agencies or like little gold stickers like they have in Australia that have all their little little prizes on there? Um, yeah, like it, it could be any of that kind of stuff, yeah. but also looking at um, what the grapes are that make it up, oh. um, what what the winemaking is, if it was a single vineyard. Is it organic? Is it biodynamic? Is it vegan? Whether you have that certification or not, I'm pretty sure you can write it on a label, at least in some way, shape, or form. Yep. That would be a marketing decision by the winery. There are some wineries, most, a lot of wineries, they'll just need to get it to compliance. That's something, again, your agent can help you with, but that would be an investment that your, your, the winery itself would wish to make. And that's a marketing program that you'd want them to be able to, to invest in. And you have to be kind of careful myself being in the marketing side of things. It can get pretty crazy right away. I think understanding what your story is, like, why are you the Barbaradasti? Why are you the Verdicchio? Why are you the best one? Why, why should I be buying that, having that translated to the label? And part of the beauty also, as opposed to having somewhat homogenized labels, is the expression of these things, the whys, right? But that is very much a winery decision. And there are definitely best practices that we've explored over the last few days that outline what you can do to get involved more than that as an agent to ensure that it's compliant. You start opening yourself up to becoming a marketer. And I'm a very firm believer that if you are in the agency distribution side of things, you should really be excellent at that. I wouldn't rely on my agent to design my label by any means. I take their, their advice. If I wanted wine label design, I would go to a marketer or a branding agency. And branding agency is different than, different than a marketing agency. Then ensure that they do that. And I would look locally as well. If you're Italian, you have tremendous agencies here that work with a number of multinational uh, organizations with many, many countries. And I rely on their expertise and see what fits within you while trying to keep it within a budget. Also the role of the agent to suggest the producer how to... Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, suggest having an agent suggest. Label. Well, you work with a tremendous one in Toronto with Profile. They understand their market incredibly well. But you understand your wines incredibly well. You understand your winery incredibly well. To move into export is no small feat. I would look at making sure that you are selling to your own domestic market first, learn from there, and then starting to look at additional export markets. While we want you in Canada, is it the most appropriate place? I mean, we've given some data saying it's a very appropriate place. But understanding that you might be dedicating 30% of your production to be traveling around the world, that's a significant financial impact as well. That agent definitely needs to help you along the way, but it's still going to be your decision. It's still your brand. It's your wine. And uh, they're there to help, but the buck stops at you. That's a good thing, though. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.